0: Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. My name is Zach, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. We're located off of Highway 316. If you're close to us, check us out. Our website is calvary316.tv. Our service time on Sunday is at 1030. We We'd hope you join us. Regardless of where you're listening, I do hope you stay with me over the next hour or so. As we seek to deconstruct the negative perceptions of Christians by boldly and brashly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. We're a show that talks about relevant topics in a real way. Now, I need to say right up front, one of our hearts, desires, goals, an important aspect of the show is to connect with you, the listening audience. And this will be one of those shows that we'd love feedback from you. Um, If you have any questions about anything that's said on the show, uh, if you have a topic, something you'd like to challenge, a topic to submit, anything that you want me to address in future episodes, literally there's nothing off limits, there are several ways that you can reach out to us. First, I'll just mention our website, outlawradio.org. Again, outlawradio.org. From the site, you can easily access our podcast. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. If you're listening on the radio and you're not able to listen to this episode in its entirety, you can always go to the website, check out the podcast, and uh, and stay current. Listen to this episode, all previous episodes. also want to mention our email address. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Again, that's info at outlawradio.org. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. And if you're into Twitter, Our Twitter handle is at radio underscore outlaw. So again, the website, outlawradio.org, the email info at outlawradio.org, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw, Twitter at radio underscore outlaw. We want to hear from you. So please, 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 please take a moment, reach out, connect, let us know how we're doing. It's our desire to always get better and better and better. I'm excited that I'm joined by a dear friend, one of my favorite Bible teachers, favorite Bible commentators, uh, our friend to the Outlaw Radio Show, David Guzik. David, welcome to the show. Welcome
1: back. Thank you very much, Zach. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I enjoy not only our friendship, but these times when I can get together with you on Outlaw Radio.
0: You uh, Last time I had you on the show, you had just started kind of doing a new thing on YouTube.
1: You were doing kind of a video stream Q&A. Are you still doing that? I am still doing that. I do that Thursday afternoons at noon Pacific time. You know, people have to adjust their time zone. Whenever I'm in town here in Santa Barbara, I do it live. If I'm out of town, then I pre-record one. But I especially love the live chat ones when I can do it with people. And uh, that's an enjoyable part of my week. Explain how that works when you're doing it live. I'm kind of interested. So
0: you just oh you do a, a live stream and then you fill questions in the comments section. How does that work?
1: Exactly. Uh, YouTube enables the ability to have a live chat in a side window while the video is going on, and people type in their questions in the chat. Area and I look at them and I respond to them the best I can. I'm not trying to pretend that I have an answer for every question, but uh, yeah, I just see it in the side window and the chat window, and, and we take it from there. And this has been just a a, a wonderful
0: uh, ministry tool. Do you find that you're um, getting this just the same people log in, or is the audience expanding? New people, new questions. Uh, how,
1: how? What's the great thing? It's kind. It's kind of a combination of both because we have a pretty loyal. Um, online live group that shows up every time. I don't know, 20, 30 people. It's almost like a little bit of family. They they carve out the time on their Thursday afternoon to, to join us. Uh, but then we do have a steadily growing subscriber base of people who view those videos either live and participate or when it goes onto the YouTube channel and they just see the Enduring Word YouTube channel and the question and answer sessions. Again, just for the audience that that that's listening,
0: that would be interested, just tell people where they can find this again.
1: Well, if they just go to YouTube and search for Enduring Word or for David Guzik, they'll find the Enduring Word YouTube channel pretty quickly. And they can subscribe, and we would love for them to do that. And this happens, you said, Thursdays at noon Pacific? Noon Pacific time. That's correct. Well, I have you
0: on the show today to do my own bit of Q&A, and, and the topic is very um very complicated. it's a very complicated topic. It deals with abortion and our perspectives on abortion as Christians. And I really just right from the start appreciate uh, your willingness to provide um, some candor and some clarity to some important things. There is no doubt, no question. a scientific debate raging in our culture concerning the moment, That life begins, whether your position is conception uh, at the moment, the embryos developed. uh, Georgia just passed um, a heartbeat bill. Uh, You have the 24 weeks, uh, this kind of arbitrary viewpoint, the moving goalposts of viability. There is a debate, like, when does life begin? What I want to start with by uh, is just asking, like, what does the Bible specifically say concerning the moment of, of, of life?
1: Well, of course, there's not as much specifically spoken as we would wish. I mean, the Bible speaks to scientific issues, but it's not fundamentally a science textbook. Although, again, we want to recognize and acknowledge and understand it where it does speak to scientific issues. And to me, when I think of life in the womb, one of my go-to passages of scriptures is in Psalm 139, where in this Psalm of David, he so eloquently speaks about God's specific knowledge of, and we can even say relationship with, an individual in the womb. And so, we can say categorically that life begins and is acknowledged by God in the womb. As for exactly when the Bible says that life begins in the womb, I I would just follow the general principle that it's better to err on the side of safety. Uh, We want to extend it back sort of as far as it can and give a recognition of life and a valuing of life um, really as much as we can from the moment of conception. Speaking to this particular psalm,
0: can you just give the audience a little bit more context to the passage? Uh, what's being addressed, what David is writing about, just for those that might not be familiar with it.
1: Psalm 139 is one of the most beautiful and brilliant collections, uh, or I should say songs in that collection of 150 Psalms. And specifically in this part, what he's dwelling on is how beautifully and wonderfully God knows the individual. So here he's speaking in Psalm 139, I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. David, the psalmist says this, "'For you,' and of course he's speaking towards God, "'For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well.'" My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all, or they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And we just look at that and we're kind of assounded. I mean, that particular line, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Uh, You know, the ancients knew that there was a development process that happened within the woman's womb, and David's indicating that very early in this development process, when you would still describe that being within the womb as being yet unformed – God had knowledge of the individual, and we would even go so far to say a relationship with that individual. This is a very beautiful, but as well a very powerful passage of Scripture that speaks of the idea that life is valued and precious even in the womb. So you would say that the
0: Bible, concerning the origins of human life, places that in the womb, but in regards to taking a hard line— concerning well it's at conception or you know the more roman catholic position where you know contraception is prohibited because of the you know the essence of the the elements of life that, that some of that debate ends up getting into the minutia that we should avoid or do you think that there is still a a solid biblical position concerning that?
1: I, I don't know if it means that these are issues that we should avoid because of it, but I think we just have to understand and have it pretty clear in our mind what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say. And to my reading, again, I'd, I'd welcome feedback from our listeners or from Uzak or somebody else. To my knowledge, the Bible does not give a firm starting point for the conception of life. We know that it begins, and I'll just use the phrase, uh, while my substance being yet unformed, that life is still precious to God. That's the whole point of Psalm 139. So, I mean, I think we should regard it as early as possible. But I think there is a place for recognizing that because the Bible doesn't speak with um, absolute clarity on this, that there is some room for disagreement among Christians as for when they would sing. So, if if a Christian wanted to press very hard for the idea of a heartbeat, um, you know, recognition, uh, I wouldn't quibble much with that. And matter of fact, in today's political and civil context, I would see that as a great advancement uh, over uh, the the present situation,
0: yeah. In the state of Georgia, that was recently just passed. You know, prohibiting any abortions after the detection of a heartbeat, and and I'm with you in a in a democratic, uh, secular society when I mean, we're not a theocracy. Um, you know, that's a, a a very I think reasonable uh, place for us to land um, with a solid biblical understanding. And concerning kind of the origins of life in mind, and and again the challenge here is um, is it's it's somewhat vague, but still, you know the the Psalms passage. It's a complicated thing. Would it be logical though to assert that the termination of life? after the particular origin, would be considered murder in the eyes of God, at least in the
1: context of of the way that David saw it. Well, now this, this again, this gets into something that's pretty complicated. Um, I don't think it is vague, the idea that God knows and relates and values life in the womb. That principle isn't fuzzy and unclear. That principle is rock solid. The specific question, then, when exactly does that life begin – Okay, well, that that's a we have a little less biblical clarity on that. but there there's an aspect of this that we we do know with great clarity. Now, the idea though of of how we should regard the taking of life in the womb, I do think we need to recognize a few things. First of all, that not everything that the Bible prohibits should be, should be illegal in a civil society. Uh, So we don't, um, in our present day, we don't criminalize, for example, um, uh, adultery. We don't criminalize premarital sex. These are things that the Bible prohibits, but we don't criminalize them. We don't criminalize lying, at least in a social context, in a contract context. Context, of course, lying can be legally liable and and all the rest of it. So, not everything that's a sin should necessarily be against the law. But when we come to the issue of abortion, we're talking about the very principled and honorable stand of protecting the defenseless, of doing something that I think God would want us to do. Now, we do have to figure out how that works in a democratic society in a society where we uh, do have to deal with the give and take of politics. And I think that we have to operate wisely and sometimes do what we can politically, working towards a goal that is maybe beyond what we can accomplish immediately. But then there's a third aspect to this, Zach, that I would really wanna emphasize. And it's that the Bible itself recognizes that not every killing is murder in the worst degree. The Bible itself makes distinctions between manslaughter, murder, killing. Um, it makes these very subtle, and I think very important legal distinctions. And so I don't think for us to say that life is the uh, is precious in the eyes of God, life should be protected, uh, not only among the community of God's people, but in the culture at large that isn't the same thing as saying that an abortion should be regarded as first degree murder. And uh, for example, the death penalty should be applied to somebody who receives an abortion or performs an abortion. Because again, we we need to wisely and properly make the same kind of discernment that the Bible itself makes, that not every killing is first degree murder, uh, that there are gradations of of killing.
0: Do you see any dynamic in which an abortion would be morally permissible?
1: That's a very interesting difficult question. The the well, the 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 one the one uh situation that is often brought up and I think legitimately brought up because although we would say it's exceedingly rare, it does happen that for some medical reason the um, completion of the pregnancy and or the delivery of the child would likely mean the death of the mother. Now, we we would kind of look for mothers, even in that situation, perhaps to be heroic and to say, uh, it doesn't matter to me, I'm going to uh, give life to my child, as as many mothers would today good heaven, Zach, you know the mother of your own children. She would lay down her life for your children. She would, in a moment. Of course she would. And so we kind of think about that same thing. Well, um, perhaps a mother could and should do that, but for us to legally demand that kind of heroism from mothers, it, it just doesn't feel right to legally demand it. So perhaps in a situation where the Full term or the birth of the child would likely mean the death of the mother. Perhaps in those situations, there would be a permission. But I, I don't see any biblical or moral, forget about biblical, let's just say moral justification. For example, um, abortion uh, being um, um, conducted because of a uh, criminal um, a criminally enacted, let's say, a pregnancy born of rape or incest. Uh, that That's, again, to penalize the child for uh, the sin of another. And so, I, I, I don't even see that moral equation working out.
0: I mean, we're in a dynamic where we live in a culture that even presents certain physical deformities as being a justifiable reason to abort a child, things such as Down syndrome. You have countries like Iceland where this is um, a national policy and the best way i can describe it is it it's just barbaric
1: well it is it's i mean perhaps the best word to apply it is it's inhumane it, that's exactly what it is it goes against our humanity to say uh, you can reach a point where you're so defective that we will kill you uh, that's the if i it, it just seems strange to me Um, It it speaks to the moral corruption of the Western world, that that isn't offensive to people or more offensive to the society at large. You know, Zach, when we think about it, the whole moral equation of abortion in the modern Western world – no, I'm going to take that back. Not in the modern Western world. In the United States of America, and I'll say this, to my understanding, abortion laws in Canada are very similar to the United States. I, I don't know that for a fact. But let's just say to the United States of America, the moral equation behind laws regarding abortion in the United States of America is insane, Zach. It's, it's absolute moral madness. The abortion laws in the United States are far more extreme than abortion laws in most European countries. Um, the abortion laws in the United States put us right up there with countries like um, China and North Korea. In basically saying any abortion at any time in the pregnancy, any time in the pregnancy, for any reason whatsoever, will enjoy the full protection of the law. It's
0: the essence of Roe versus Wade, really. And that's what Roe that's what that was what the ruling was. It was the it was a ruling where there were no restrictions at any point during um during a pregnancy. It it removed the ability to define life inside the womb and thus open the floodgates to an an anything-goes legal setup.
1: Well, I know it's a complicated legal thing, but Zach, you know, the the partial birth abortion laws that have been attempted to be passed in the U.S. Congress and those kind of things, I've never heard them argued against from a constitutional ground. I've never heard anybody say, well, go ahead and pass it, but it'll be struck down because the Supreme Court will, will rule it so. Um Maybe this is something that the states aren't allowed to regulate, but, but Zach, even, even with what's going on in Georgia, with the heartbeat law, uh, is there the serious idea that, that um, this is unconstitutional and it can't stand because of that reason, or just that it's unwise politically? One of the things that
0: I've been very pleased
1: with is for
0: most of my adult life, abortion was the thing you just didn't talk about politically. I didn't hear it ever brought up in debates. I didn't hear Bush talk about it. I didn't hear McCain talk about it or Romney talk about it. And yet and yet now, because of certain nominations to the Supreme Court, th- this topic has come back front and center, and it's a debate that I think needs to be had and that Christians need to engage in. Um, and it's been interesting to see just this, this craziness within the states uh, passing various really counterintuitive laws whether it's the 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 law that was passed in new york that removed most restrictions altogether to the point that uh that a baby killed in the womb in a domestic violence can actually be equated to now another charge of either manslaughter or or murder to then now what's happening in Georgia where you have the heartbeat bill. And it'll be interesting to see how these things work their way through the court. But let me, let me ask you just from a personal standpoint, because I wanted your perspective theologically of what the Bible says, where do you, where do you kind of fall back to in regards to life in the womb? When do you think it, it occurs?
1: I think it should be regarded as occurring at conception. I think that Birth control methods that prevent conception, I think the Christian has absolute liberty to use. I would counsel Christians to not use birth control methods that are what's the term abortifacients. Uh, that essentially the Plan
0: B, Plan yes, B things. Exactly. That
1: happen. Uh, yeah. I, I would I would definitely recommend to Christians that they do that they do not pursue or use birth control methods uh, that end or terminate a life after conception or terminate a fetus after conception, we would say. Uh, But birth control methods that prevent conception, I think Christians have liberty. Uh, Not all believers agree on this, I understand, but I believe that Christians have liberty to use those uh, whether or not God or as God would lead them.
0: Now, I'm going to ask you the most challenging question, and this will really set, I think, the the direction for the remainder of our interview we've got about three and a half minutes in this block this will no doubt carry over so i don't expect you to answer this uh, in, in just the, the minutes remaining now we understand that the act of murder and, and i thought your answer about there being uh, varying classifications of murder in regards to scripture different va- variations in, in its extremity but we know murder just broadly isn't an unpardonable sin uh, whether it's murder that takes place in utero or not. You have examples like Moses and, and David, Paul, et cetera. But the question, from your perspective, even with that in mind, can someone actively support abortion and be a born-again Christian?
1: Oh, well, let me give you a very quick answer to that. Yes, they, they can be a Christian in grave error. Uh, you know, Zach, there's all kinds of Christians who are messed up in their biblical understanding. Uh, the Bible says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And there are some Christians, perhaps out of some element of disobedience or ignorance, have staunchly refused to accept God's wisdom on some area. Uh, perhaps they're so pressured by the culture around them or by their own prior experience or something like that. And so I would say that they're a Christian in ignorance, they're a Christian in error, uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily immediately de-Christianize somebody because they support abortion on demand. I would say that they're wrong, they're in grievous error, air so grievous that it needs to be repented of, that it's not just a mistake. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't. What would you say? Uh, consign somebody automatically to hell. For their position on abortion, so it so you,
0: it is possible from your perspective biblically, and, and I and I italicize the word for emphasis. Actively support abortion because you brought up even in your, in your answer the concept of it being egregious and it being misguided and it being uh, ignorant and and even even needing a measure of repentance concerning. Um, I'm I'm speaking specifically to an active like. Active support of abortion. So you 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 believe that you can be an, a a born again Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, but actively
1: support abortion? Just for clarity, uh, I I think that a that a Christian can be in error in disobedience, and sometimes serious error in disobedience. And so I I, I would I I think there may be a place to question that person's commitment to biblical Christianity, to God's revelation. But again, um, no, I I couldn't um, just write them off as a believer because of their stance on abortion. That's that's a fantastic answer. Very
0: challenging, a lot to chew on there. Uh, We are running against a hard break. And so if you're listening to this, no doubt, this is a very controversial topic, the topic of abortion. Uh, there's probably things that you're listening to that you agree with, things that you disagree with. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I know David would love to hear from you uh, on YouTube, his, his, his live stream Q&A. Uh, if you've got questions for David, go to it. We'd love to hear from you here on the Outlaw Radio Show. Regardless, don't go anywhere. We're going to continue this conversation in just a few minutes.
2: One of the most important visions of the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to challenge you to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on your own. The sad reality is many Christians fail to reflect Christ because they don't know what they believe or why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to the Outlaw Radio Show tackling tough topics you might not hear at church, It is our desire to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this important process, we want you to check out blueletterbible.org. It would be an understatement to say that this website will transform the way you study the Bible. In fact, it will revolutionize it. Aside from their treasure trove of free online commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it super simple to dive into the original language behind a text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of Scripture, and in the process, learn and grow, we encourage you to check out blueletterbible.org today.
3: Hey, thanks for listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams and special guest, David Guzik. Don't go anywhere. Part two of the Outlaw Radio Show and the topic of abortion is coming right up. With the recent laws in Alabama, abortion has taken center stage in our culture. Here's Zach Adams and David Guzik with more on this important topic. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm joined by a friend of mine, David Guzik.
0: We're talking about the topic of abortion. David, an argument often presented by more liberal-leaning Christians is that there's a significant difference between being pro-abortion and pro-choice. The position states uh, a personal conviction that, that abortion's wrong, but an overriding belief that no one has a right to tell a woman what she can and cannot do with her body. Do you find any rationality to this argument? Is this a a permissible
1: position for a Christian to have? No, that's a morally bankrupt position, and I could argue it on a biblical basis for certain, but in, in the broader society, we don't even need to argue it biblically. We can also argue this position just morally in the sense of saying that the baby is not the woman's body. It's, it's just not. That is a different person inside of her. And so the, the logic is built on an entirely faulty foundation that says a woman has the right to do what she wants to do with her body, treating a human life in her womb as if it was a decayed tooth that she could do with as she please. Th- that is a, a morally misguided and bankrupt uh, position. And so, no, we we it's it's built entirely on Iran. We, we do believe, or at least I'll just say I believe, Zach, that a woman does have a right to do what she pleases with her own body. If she wants to get any kind of tattoo that she pleases, go right ahead. She wants to get a particular kind of piercing. Uh, she wants to do this or that to her own body. I, I don't think there should be any legal recourse against that. But we're dealing with a second individual. We're dealing with another human being that is in her womb.
0: You mentioned there being two components to your answer, the, just the, the ethical one, the moral one, but also a biblical one. Could you also kind of argue this from the biblical angle as well?
1: Well, the biblical angle is very clear. There are several places in the scripture. Psalm 139 that we dealt with in our first segment, I think very strongly recognized that God recognizes individual human life within the womb, that that is a different person. As well, and Zach, you'll know this passage. Although I can't quote you the chapter and verse, isn't it within the Gospel of Luke where John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb? He leaps at the recognition of uh, the um, the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary. <laughs> there's a there's a recognition of life in the womb that's separate from the mother in both of these cases. So, uh, the Bible recognizes it again and again that the life that a woman bears in the womb is not her own life. I I feel crazy even arguing this, Zach. It shows that the moral absurdity of our present day that this even has to be argued for, that the life that's in a woman's womb is not her own life, it is the life of the baby that will be born. And so... Uh, though a woman does have the right to do what she wants with her own body. We're not arguing against that at all. We're just simply saying the life in the womb is not her own body. I um, had a
0: conversation with someone about this, just the concept of, of pro choice. And this individual made this a fascinating argument about that we've allowed language to warp the entire conversation. That, uh, you know, who, who's against? choosing choice the problem is is that it's not a pro-life versus a pro-choice dynamic it's a pro-abortion and a pro-life dynamic and that we've allowed we've allowed the pro-abortion lobby to mask itself and just a terminology that doesn't really apply to the argument itself um just being pro-choice um yeah we encourage choice but we're not talking about choice we're talking about the child's choice um G- great answer. um let me let me just throw a few a,
1: a few questions your direction, but but Zach, let, 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 let me just follow up one more aspect on yeah, that Yeah, please. in the again, the American political sphere, I think the insanity is it of is that you have a political party that actively campaigns for absolutely zero restrictions on abortion, none whatsoever. none. I mean, th- this is insanity. If if there was ever an extremist position in American politics, this is it. To say that any abortion at any time in the pregnancy for any reason whatsoever with no uh, restriction from the government or even virtually no supervision in the process of it. This is extreme politically and it just needs to be called out as such. Uh, and again, it's fairly unique. It's not absolutely unique. There are very few nations in this world that have the same radical abortion laws in the United States as the United States. So, it's it's a strange situation. Let,
0: let me go off script just for a minute. You had mentioned that, um, you know, the interesting dynamic that we're Christians living, living in a secular society, that this is a topic, this is a debate, this is something that that as a, as a culture we're working through. You, on one end, express the, the personal conviction, and, and based on a biblical worldview, that life begins no doubt in the womb, but more specifically that life begins at conception. But then on the other end, you uh, somewhat were in favor for, um, or at least felt like the heartbeat bill was a good concession. Is this a topic that as Christians we can make concessions on, um, or should we just hold the line that anything after conception is is untolerable?
1: Zach, that is, that's a fascinating question, and let me begin by saying, in my view, this is a question that I think that sincere believers can have different opinions about. I I believe that how we carry this out into the culture and how we engage the culture with this— that Christians are going to disagree. For me personally, um, I just recognize that we live in a political system, that we have a system where uh, we recognize that sometimes things need to be done in degrees, uh, not all at once. And so, uh, I am first and foremost in favor of laws that would um, – bring some kind of regulation and moderation to the idea of abortion. I I don't know if it's possible in our society today to end abortion by fiat. Um, There has been remarkable uh, progress in the last generation in people's opinions and perspectives on abortion. Zach, you you know this, that a modern culture and especially young people are far more pro-life than they were forty years ago. Very true. It, it, it's technology. Yeah. It's the ultrasound. It's technology and I think it's just the force of the moral argument. It's 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 a uh, it's it's obvious. It's inborn within us that we there should be something. The the extremity of the abortion position in the modern day Political scene in America is so extreme that people just sense it and they recoil against it. I think that this needs to be encouraged, it needs to be furthered, and we need to recognize that uh, sometimes great things need to be done in steps I think that's such a a helpful
0: reminder and really, <laughs> the irony is it's a playbook out of the out of the liberal mantra. I remember when we were having the national debate concerning healthcare, care, um, you know that that Obama, you know that the ultimate goal was single payer, but Obama argued you can't get there just in one step. That you need to take incremental steps along the way. And and as as conservatives, we it's kind of our way or the highway. I think that there's some political savvy to understanding that incremental steps are better uh, than no steps at all. Um, and I think that's a, a very helpful perspective. I, I wanna I wanna get real practical here, David, um, because we have no idea who's listening to this, Sure, uh, whether it be on the radio, whether it be on the podcast. um, And and I want to kind of engage in a a bit of a a ministry perspective, so I'm going to ask a couple questions. I know the answer to, but I I think it's important that we address. um, If a woman has an abortion, can she still come
1: to Jesus as her Savior? Well, absolutely. And Zach, I want to call you something on something you said in our first segment. You – mentioned murder and spoke about it as being an unforgivable sin. Um, you use that phrasing. And uh, maybe you meant that it's a, in a sense, it's a, it's a sin that can't be corrected. I mean, the ending of a human life is the ending of a human life. But I don't think that murder on any level should be regarded as an unforgivable sin. We see God forgiving murderers in the scripture. We see God restoring murderers. Absolutely. And so, yes, uh, abortion is a sin. If a woman has uh, had an abortion, if a man has been party to an abortion, because let's face it, that's, there's been a, a male participation in an abortion one way or another. Well, and often there's a lot of pressure put by, by the man on the woman. Absolutely. Absolutely absolutely this is the case. So in whatever degree there's this involvement there must be repentance. And God receives the repentant sinner. God's arms are open wide to the repentant sinner. And and what repentance begins with so often is just a simple confession of sin. And you you know Zach that confession at its root has the idea to say the same thing as and basically it's coming to God and saying God um, I know at the time, I didn't feel this abortion was wrong, but I see now that because of your word, it is wrong. And I change, I say the same as you, God, and I'm so sorry that I did it. Would you please forgive me? I repent of this sin. And God's arms are open wide toward that repentant sinner.
0: Amen, amen, amen. But let me push back kind of on two things here that seem please a, a measure, it seems to be a measure in conflict. So, do you believe... And I'll just kind of present, I'll just present it in a question form. Do you believe that a woman can have an abortion, claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and yet still feel zero remorse for her actions?
1: Uh, I think that's possible at least for a season. Uh, Our conscience can be damaged by all kinds of things. And this is especially true when there are voices in the culture that really support something. Uh, And I I believe it's possible to be a Christian and have a damaged conscience. Uh, And that's why there needs to be biblical instruction. That's why there needs to be uh, good teaching from our pulpits, from our pastors, from our churches uh, that instruct people about this. And there needs to be an attitude on the part of God's people that says, even though I thought this was right, my pastor just showed me according to the scriptures that this is wrong. I have to change my thinking about this. Again, this is the renewing of the mind. And so it's unfortunate when there's a damaged or a seared conscience among believers, but it's something that needs to be addressed, and there needs to be a transforming by the renewing of our mind, as Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12.
4: Did you know beyond the unique content of the Outlaw Radio Show, Pastor Zach Adams also has an extensive teaching archive available online for free? If you love to study the Bible, we encourage you to check out c316.tv. Currently, Pastor Zach is teaching verse by verse through the Gospel of John, but c316.tv also has video, audio, and sermon notes for the Gospel of Mark, the book of Acts, Ephesians, Genesis, Philemon, Jonah, Philippians, as well as an in-depth study on the Olivet Discourse and Jesus' seven letters to the churches recorded in Revelation 3 and 4. With over 17,000 minutes of expositional Bible teaching and more than 2,775 pages of written sermon transcripts, C316.tv so is a, a must-visit for any
0: serious student of the Bible faced with such an individual, such a dynamic. Like what how would you encourage them to approach you know, the woman who's, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I've had an abortion, I don't feel any remorse for that, I don't feel like I need to have any remorse for that. From a pastoral standpoint, like give some guidance on, on obviously you don't want to heap a bunch of condemnation, you don't want to be judgmental, you don't even want to, in our culture, come across real preachy, but just from a, you're, you've been a pastor for years, how would you handle that, that individual?
1: Well, I would say to her, dear sister, let me take some time to talk to you about this, and I understand how you feel. I understand what you've done, but you need to see what the Scripture says about human life in the womb, and you need to understand that what you've done is wrong, and that there is grace, there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But this is a sin that needs to be confessed and repented of. I mean, I, I, I of course I would do it. Uh, in a much longer conversation <laughs> yeah. in just a few seconds, I just stated right. that. But I mean, that would be the, just to just do as Ephesians says, I'd try to tell the truth in love to that sister and pray that the Holy Spirit would do a definite work upon her conscience to help her see it. And, and I would also do this, Zach. I would speak to her hopeful that some of her claim that, oh, this is right, it doesn't bother me and things. I would hope to her that some of that claim is just bluster and that really um, there is something inside of her that does recognize and perhaps has recognized that this was wrong and that it's something that needs to be repented of.
0: From your perspective, um, just being around church for years and, and ministering to, to women who have who are either thinking about having an abortion or those who have, where can the church do better when it comes to ministering to these women?
1: I think that one of the things that the church needs to do is speak lovingly and persuasively about abortion um, in many of our churches Zach the the majority of people already agree with us and already do what they can to uh, deal with these issues both in the city and in the in the um, political sphere but Sometimes we preachers, we just kind of, to use a phrase, we preach to the choir about these things. We don't, um, hmm. we don't try to persuade people biblically. We underestimate what a hold these cultural arguments can have over people and that they can really believe that the loving Christian approach is to be, as the culture calls it, pro-choice. I mean, I think we've already dealt with what a hollow phrase that is already, but I'm just speaking in the terminology that right. the culture would use. And so we need to do that. And Zach, if I could, I know we only got a few minutes left, but one thing I would do too is, I, I mean, one of the sad things about our political situation in America today is that the, the Democratic Party in the United States is so monolithically behind the practice of abortion with. Absolutely no restriction. Again, this unbelievably extremist position of any abortion at any time for any reason whatsoever. Uh, I say to Christians if you are in the Democratic Party, you should labor tirelessly to reestablish a pro life wing within the Democratic <laughs> Party. There used to be one, It <laughs> might Zach. be impossible. It might be impossible, might be impossible. But listen, they, they should do what they can because, Zach, there used to be one. There, there used to be a yeah. strong pro-life wing in the Democratic Party, and that has been virtually obliterated. And uh, it's very sad. Um, it, it's, uh, this fight needs to be carried on. Let me bring this home because I agree with you. The
0: fight needs to be carried on. That's why we're, we're having these type of conversations on our radio show But I want you just with the two and a half minutes that we have left, I want you to imagine, David, that there's a woman, she's sitting in her car, she's listening right now, um, and she is overwhelmed by the guilt of the abortion that she just had, or maybe the one that she had years ago, and she's, she's overwhelmed by it. Can you just, with the time we have remaining, just talk to her for a minute?
1: And just encourage her i'd say dear sister i i I can only imagine the sense of shame and guilt that you've had to deal with not only with the pregnancy itself that you felt had to be terminated but what you did in aborting the child that was within your womb i want you to know that god has already reached out and restored uh the worst of sinners the worst of those who have offended against him. And God's arms are open wide towards you. You need to come to him with an attitude of what the Bible calls is confession. And that's simply with a surrendered heart to God, agreeing with what he says about what you've done. And, and when you come with that humble, surrendered, confessing heart before God, he promises, it's on the basis of God's word, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'd say Jesus, that promise is for you. Receive it by faith in Jesus Christ
0: today. David, thank you so much for being on the show and helping us really chew on a very complex, interdimensional type, uh, uh, type topic such as abortion. So thank you so much for joining us.
1: You're very welcome, Zach. Glad I could do it, and blessings
0: to you. And real quick, with just the moment we have left, can you just tell the, uh, the audience about
1: your website real quick? Enduringword.com is a website that offers free Bible resources. We have a complete commentary on the Bible in both English and Spanish, and we're adding content from other languages seemingly now weekly. So, you're welcome to come to the website.
0: David, thanks again. You're
1: very welcome, Zach.
0: Well, you've been listening to The Outlaw Radio Show. If you liked what you heard, I want to encourage you to do two things. First, contact your local Christian radio station and tell them that you're thankful they're carrying this type of programming, The Outlaw Radio Show, in your community. Second thing I want you to do is visit our website. I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Our website is outlawradio.org. Very easy to find, outlawradio.org. The reason I want you to check out the site is that you can easily access our podcast. Every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show, including this one, it's all podcasted in its entirety. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Finally, let's connect. Twitter, at radio underscore outlaw. You can send me an an email at info at outlawradio.org or you can follow us on facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Once again, I'm Zach Adams and I hope you join me again this time next week for the outlaw radio show.
3: You've been listening to the one and only outlaw radio show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio every donation ensures this show remains on your local station to learn how you can become a financial partner please visit outlawradio.org well that's all the time we have for today we hope you join us again next week for the outlaw radio show with zach adams Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with His Productions.